Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, a new podcast from Campaign US where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and my guest this week is Ashish Toshnual, CEO of YML, also known as Y Media Labs, a digital agency owned by MDC Partners that works with clients including State Farm, Home Depot, and PayPal. YML works in the realm of digital experiences, a term brands have had to get very familiar with this year as entire industries shifted completely online during the pandemic. Unlike many agencies, YML staff is made up of three core disciplines, engineering, design, and product, with half of its staff in the engineering bucket. That makes it not able to just promise connected digital experiences for its clients, but actually deliver them. Hi, Ashish. How's it going? Good. Thank you for being here. Um, so tell me, what's the past year been like for YML? Because digital experiences have obviously been huge, but the agency business has been tough. So tell me a little bit about how you've had to adapt. Yeah, the past year, I would say the past 12 months now uh, has been an extreme roller coaster. There were uh, one or two months when it felt like uh, the business is coming to an end almost. However, like pretty quickly, the business started skyrocketing. And, uh, and, and like if we just look at the past year's growth, um, like the Q4 results, we produced more than 113% growth quarter over quarter, hired over uh, 200 people remotely. Uh, and, you know, things business-wise, things have been great, but I would say there are a lot of challenges on you know, how the remote work works. Uh, now we don't have people working in the offices. So how this does to our culture, um, what we can do to make sure people feel supported. Uh, and, you know, it's been it's been pretty one heck of a ride the past 12 months. Yeah. So let's talk about that culture piece. Um, I mean, you, you, you hired 200 people. That, that's incredible um, in the past year. But so some of them are working remotely. So how are now that we're sort of emerging from the pandemic, maybe <laughs> it's hard to say, but yeah. um, how are you thinking about the office and, and continuing to hire um, a distributed workforce? Yeah, at this point, I would say that we are on a one way street. Uh, last year, we hired across 27 cities or more in North America. And then we have a team in Bangalore, too. Uh, and we have even ventured out to South America at this point. And definitely going forward, our culture is going to be remote first. Um, and, uh, and, and now we are in the middle of how we transition into back in the office. Because now, even though like, you know, when you are working from home, the immediate reaction is, yes, a lot of flexibility, a lot of time with the family. These are all great things. I think the quality of life overall has gone up. However, on the flip side, there's a challenge of how, you know, people are feeling lonely, right? Like they're just zooming in and out, like the whole staring at the camera for eight hours straight, you know, not taking breaks, jumping from meeting to meeting, you know, not, not like having those moments which are so much more defined and there is an agenda for everything. There are no like serendipitous moment. Mm. It is kind of taxing. And 
And we are gradually trying to, you know, go back to work selectively depending on each team after everyone is vaccinated. Um, and, and we are looking at how to go back to work is going to be across three levels of collaboration. Uh, one is collaborating at a company level. So, you know, over the past 12 months, we used to have all hands once a month and we started having it once a week. Now, mm-hmm. that has been phenomenal. That is not changing. But once a month, you know, we will probably do in-person all hands and, you know, would love to see people, whoever are local. Then there's a second level of collaboration, which is th- probably the most significant one where, you know, it's cross-discipline and then you're collaborating with clients as well. So how you come together and how you can work in person occasionally. And the third level is when you're a part of like, let's say an engineering team or design team, how do you know your colleagues better? Mm. That's how we are kind of thinking about it. So how do you think about that? Like if you do continue to hire remotely, how do you manage the burnout that the remote staff might feel? And maybe like if some people are in the office versus not, how do you make sure that they feel connected to what's going on? Yeah. And, you know, this is a, a definitely a challenge. And I would say that the the biggest thing here has been that how um, it, how we have come together and actually understand the meaning, you know, behind the work, right? It's like someday we are working with a healthcare organization, which is, you know, one of the biggest in the country. You're serving 13 million patients. You're flipping healthcare from being reactive to proactive. Someday you're working with a startup, which is a team of, let's say, you know, a couple of people, and you're helping not just to build a product, but actually helping build a company, right? And and it's a lot about like the meaning and the purpose behind the work. And what I've realized is the teams or the individuals who can connect with the purpose of how they're making a difference in the world, there the burnout is probably less. And, you know, they take a lot of I guess their their threshold of burnout is a lot higher compared to others, right? And and at this point, I would say one of the big things we are trying to do is how do we come together, you know, as a team where we are not zooming in and out, right? Almost the past couple of months, like when the the rate of COVID has been down, we we kind of organize uh, every Friday, come together Friday afternoon just for you know, happy hour and stuff. Uh, in fact, going forward, we have announced the idea of summer Fridays. Uh, so for during the summer, every Friday after 2 p.m., we are going to, you know, take off and make sure people are contributing to their own personal well-being. Um, so these are some of the things which are which are helping. And also making sure people who are in the same city, town, location, even if we don't have an office there, they are connecting, you know, face to face. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how agencies navigate it. But I think it's it's something a lot of a lot of agencies are thinking about as they have hired remotely um, over the past year. But so I want to talk a little bit about the work that you guys do at YML. Um, mm-hmm. Digital experiences are obviously so important now over the past year. If you didn't have one 
you know, you had to create one because mm-hmm. a lot of physical businesses were obviously shut down during the pandemic. But, you know, a lot of agencies now are positioning themselves as experience agencies, customer experience, digital experience. How do you differentiate? How do you stand out? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would say the biggest reason why we have been successful is, number one, about uh, the, the when we were born. So we started the, the business in 2009, in March. That was the bottom of the last recession. And the whole business was founded on the idea of how we can create great experience on mobile. Mobile was the only platform we early on worked on, like whether it's design or engineering. And, you know, before 2009, there was no such thing as mobile design or mobile engineering. What is that? Like text or SMS? I mean, that, you know, there was no such real platform there. And iPhone was that first big platform, which, you know, made this happen. And then I Android uh, got a lot of traction. So our nucleus is definitely, you know, mobile first mindset compared to other agencies who who have been started in the web era. And they look at mobile as an extension to web, right? So that is one. Second, I would say that, that our roots in Silicon Valley has really helped us look at uh, working with clients as a product design, as a product experience rather than marketing. And, uh, you know, today, our office here in Redwood City, we are in like 15-mile radius of Apple, Google, Facebook. And the talent is very much part of the, the startup ecosystem. And clients today are looking for talent who can build uh, an experience like Uber or experience like Airbnb, who are definitely challenging the incumbents or the you know, biggest Fortune 500 company. And and these are the reasons, you know, why clients like to work with us. We have so many examples over the years that, you know, I mean, it is, it, it is mind-boggling that like so many agencies actually work with big clients. And, you know, when you're working with clients like Disney or, you know, Apple or some of the other clients, these are really big companies and they're very successful companies. And working with them, you're, you've just made a successful company more successful. But when you're working with a startup, you know, the chance of survival is very low. And when you can help them build a product, which helps build a company, I mean, that is very gratifying. And, and that's what we did when we worked with Credit Karma, Bill.com, you know, Latch, the we worked with them. They were like very small teams and now they're valued at, you know, 1.5 billion, 7 billion, 10 billion, almost like a fortune 500 company size. Yeah. So tell me about, I mean, you work with both startups and some of these more established companies. So tell me about what you do for them that, you know, might be different than a traditional, you know, digital agency or, you know, how you sort of get at this marketing branding work from a different angle. Yeah. So first, I would say that we are very focused on um, building experiences, which is very relevant for that brand. And I am not referring to landing pages or campaigns or 
or just, you know, marketing sites, you know, for lead gen, which a lot of marketing agencies do. We are very focused on creating that product or experience, which will become the future of that brand um, going forward. And especially the past 12 months, one thing which almost every CEO is asking is what happens if all our physical location, whether it's a bank branch or, or a, you know, storefront or a healthcare organization, when our uh, physical locations are completely shut or with operated with very reduced capacity, how can we serve our clients effectively? Which means they're pretty much looking to build experience which can help customers even during the social distant times. And the past 12 months, I think people are so much used to, you know, operating that way. And that's exactly what we built today, right? Like building, whether it's an app to connect people do banking, you know, on the go or, you know, where uh, patients used to go in person at hospital. Now they're flipped on telehealth. And that kind of trend is a one way trend, in my opinion. And, you know, we are definitely looking at how things will even grow more in that regard. Yeah. So one of the things that's interesting about YML that you told me last time we spoke, which was a while ago. So correct me if my if my number isn't correct anymore, but I think over half of your staff is engineers or half of your staff is engineers. Is that correct? Yes. Over 65 percent of YML is in, is engineering. Yeah. So that's I mean, that's different than I think um, your typical digital agency. Talk about how. How do you get these engineers to come work at YML? Because, you know, like you said, you're you're in Silicon Valley, you're you're right in between Facebook, Google, and Apple. These people have so many options to yep. go make a ton of money. How do you get them to come work for you? Great question. And I would say that it is challenging, uh, first, that it's not easy to hire when you're especially in Silicon Valley. The some of the key reasons what I've heard from uh, our engineering team they love is number one the culture uh, the the I'll just give you some examples of how we have changed uh, you know de and I at YML like in 2013 as a very rookie CEO back then I used to have one woman in our Silicon Valley office and today, we have 44% of YML, which is more than 400 people, are women. In June uh, of last year, 3% of YML was black. And we actually took upon ourselves to make sure that black representation is very strong at YML. And, and I want to tell you that um, uh, uh, until like last month, the stat was over 10% of YML is actually black today in the U.S. And these are some of the things which I feel people extremely care about. And, and this has become, which never used to be a strength, has become a strength now. Mm. So that's one. Second, I would say people want to work on different interesting projects. If, if let's say they're working on a healthcare project for one year, you know, they sometimes feel they've learned a lot about healthcare uh, and, and the rate of learning sometimes can plateau, right? 
And at that point, if they want to switch to, let's say, working with a startup or working with a retail chain or working with a, a financial services or fintech, they have an option. They don't have to switch companies. So their rate of learning and their curiosity can, you know, can keep up with what they can do at YML. Mm. So, you know, these are some of the reasons um, how, why they work. And last I would say is, they get to work on really big things at scale. You know, like uh, we work with a brand which feeds 30 million Americans on a daily basis. It's a grocery chain. And, uh, you know, you don't, you don't get to work with such brands if, um, you know, if you're not part of this setting. Mm, yeah. So the diversity of, of clients and projects that they can work on Absolutely. is appealing. Absolutely. So. How come, I know there's sort of, you know, been this like aversion, I guess, in the industry to calling yourself an agency. Everyone wants to be a consulting firm or, you know, something else, some other sort of word salad that they come up with to describe what they do. But why, why call YML an agency if, you know, you are, you do have a different sort of staff base and, um, but, you know, you are an agency, you're owned by MDC partners. Why position yourself that way? Yeah, a really good question. Honestly, I don't position ourselves that way. This is a term which is used just to signify what we do. We are a, a team of product uh, designers, engineers, uh, product managers who are here to build some world-class experiences. And, and I agree with you, the term agency doesn't do justice. And that's why we call ourselves more a, a product design and engineering firm than an agency. And, and the key thing is no engagement at YML is complete until we launch you know, an experience, whether it's an app, a web, a personalization engine, a piece of artificial intelligence software, which kind of work behind the scene until that is launched, you know, out in the open. So you're not an agency then. <laughs> so, but you do pitch, right, for business. So talk about, you know, the the pitching environment and new business environment right now in this space and, you know, maybe how some of those expectations have changed over the past year with COVID. Yeah, the last year, um, even though none of us were traveling, but shockingly, we had one of the best new business, new uh, year last year. And um, and I would say one of the reasons is everyone is remote, right? Like it's not like few people are remote, few people are in the room. And that actually elevated the experience, you know, of pitching um, to some extent. Of course, there were some challenges as well. Uh, and, and overall, like we acquired some world-class clients, you know, last year, like Polestar or... Um, uh, you know, some of the biggest grocery chain and so on and so forth. So it was, you know, a pretty big experience. And one of the things we take pride in is that our, when we are talking to clients, we are not just coming up with a, a bullet point of this is the strategy you should do. Like most of the clients are actually pretty savvy that they know what to do, but they just they just can't do it to compete with this, new breed of companies coming out of Silicon Valley. And they want that, that to be done like yesterday. Not, they don't have two years to wait. And that is, you know, one of the another reason like why 
uh, clients work with us where we hit the ground running. Mm. So is that because of the the type of talent you have on your team? Because you have so many engineers and product managers that you can execute these things quickly? Yeah, that is absolutely right. And the expertise which we gain working across the industry. Mm. Interesting. So you do have a broad sort of portfolio of clients across different industries. Um, and that gives you a really interesting view on, you know, which industries are the most ripe for disruption, which ones need the most help with their, you know, digital experiences. Um, talk a little bit about, I guess, which which vertical is most exciting to you right now, whether that's healthcare, finance, commerce, like where do you see the most potential? I am particularly very excited about two verticals. One is uh, healthcare. There is so much change happening there. Like where uh, truly there are so many opportunities where the trend is, you know, uh, doing telehealth versus going in person. Who wants to waste half a day seeing a doctor if in 45 minutes you can be done by dialing in remotely or just zooming in and out, right? Um in, in, in fintech, again, there's so much activity happening, whether it's crypto, whether it's, you know, new kind of um, experience coming in to challenge, you know, other brand banks. And the, the, the fact is that, you know, even even the, the incumbents, like they are doing a lot of cool stuff themselves, right? Like where they are challenging or pushing back on some of the startups which are getting launched. Right. So are there any are there any companies in particular that you're looking at right now as like the future of these industries? Well, I would say there are a few companies I have invested in, particularly I I was an investor in Robinhood. They are definitely changing the whole landscape of investing. You know, investing in equity market used to be a Wall Street thing. It used to be scary. And now with platforms like Robinhood and public, it is no longer an exclusive, um, you know, thing for just the Wall Street people. Anyone can be a savvy investor. How do you, I mean, Robinhood also had its own issues last year. Like, how do you sort of know when to make a bet on a company like that or when there might be some, some challenges that could arise? Yeah, I would say that the the first thing uh, is that you, as an angel investor, you have to, you know, make up your mind. And and when you're investing in such high risk, um, you know, businesses, uh, number one thing is you should be totally okay losing all your money, you know, whatever you invest in these companies. And and it's a game of grand slams. It's not a game of, uh, you know, getting ten percent or six percent return. It's not like a dividend business right so i have made like you know a little over 25 investments so far and most of them have probably not done well and uh, some of them have actually been shut down but the returns from two to four startups have been so massive that it it just you know takes care of all the losses and a uh, massive return on top mm. But you you think this idea of like re- retail investing of people the the market being more open to to more people is like the future. Absolutely, I feel t- 
this is one of the ways how this can bridge the gap between, you know, the top 10% and the remainder of the population. Mm. One of the biggest reasons of making wealth in the long run is not by trading your hours for money. That's not how you become rich in the long run. You actually have to deploy the savings and the capital which you, you know, make on a yearly basis and then invest it very wisely. Mm. And at some point, you know, given over 10, 20, 30, 40 years, that amount of money will probably, you know, make you more money than what you can do just trading hours for dollars. Right. Right. That is true. Um, so as you sort of, um, you know, work with clients in, and you're looking at the future of all these industries, like where does brand building come in? How do you build a brand in a digital first world? Like how do you have to think about the process differently? Yeah. Brand building, uh, is how would I define it? I would define it by saying that brand building is, uh, is about when what people think of you when you are not in the group. And it is a very long-term game. And what I've realized is brand building is not just, you know, do you have a ping pong table, the kind of organic snack you serve in your office or, you know, what kind of swag you have. I think it is, it's a lot about how you treat your clients, how you treat your uh, team members, you know, how, uh, what kind of behavior is actually promoted in the company. And, you know, it's like whether clients will refer you more business themselves or, you know, will refer you to some of their other friends, right? Like that's what brand building is. And it, it doesn't happen over like one month or three quarters. It, it just takes years and years. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, today, the number one source of new clients at YML comes from the clients who have already worked with us in the past. I know that like clients who worked with us in 2012, 13, 14, I'm still very close to them. And a lot of them are actually client of ours when they have you know moved to new companies. And that is part of what brand building is. What about brand building for consumer brands? Like how does the the starting point sort of change when you have to not only, you know, have a brand and and communicate that through traditional channels, but make sure that the experience behind it works properly? Yeah. So one of the things what I've realized is, you know, brand 20 years ago was a lot about what kind of ads they are serving. You know, what's the packaging they have, Right. What is the color they're using? And, and you know, it was a lot about communication and, and PR. And, and But I feel today brand building has a very different meaning. You know, some of my favorite brands I'm going to tell you is um, Tesla and Apple. And some of the things they have done is just so simple. But this is the reason I love them is, for instance, with Tesla, if, if you want to get your car serviced, you just have to hit one button in the app and, you know, you just have to confirm like what day um, they can come and service your car. 
and you don't even have to hand over their your key to them. They will come, uh, get in your car, fix it, send you a text, and you're done. And that's the, and that is what I call like, you know, a new brand or a new brand experience is built. Mm-hmm. When when you actually connect with Apple, they wouldn't ask you to authenticate yourself because when you are connecting with Apple, you're actually going through the authenticated, uh, you know, means. So they already know who you are. And, you know, these simple things like this and can create such great brand moments where people feel that the brand actually knows you rather than treating you as, you know, just another client who has never worked with that brand. Right. So it's about not just personalization, but also connecting. from Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, interesting. So, you know, you also host your own podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, what, who's the most interesting person that you've interviewed recently and, and what sort of topics are fascinating to you right now? Yeah, I, I feel, so my new podcast is called Why in the Valley. And the idea behind the podcast is I invite uh, startup founders or uh, CEOs or, you know, great leaders who have built a great product or a great team, you know, or a great culture, and sometimes all of them, to unpack how they have done it over the years. So, for instance, I had few guests in the past, uh, Pete Flint, who was the founder CEO at Trulia, um, Tim Chen, who was the founder CEO, who is the founder CEO at NerdWallet, and, and, uh, and, and a few others, you know, over the past few months. And the idea is to educate you know, our listeners on how they have done it. And also talk about, because we are in such a distinct phase right now, how the future looks like, right? How do we go back to work? What, how you can build culture in this remote first world? You know, that's the, that's the idea behind it. Mm, interesting. We already talked a little bit about that before, but um, any other thoughts about, I know you touched on DE&I, you touched on, remote work, but where do you see YML from a culture um, perspective in, in a year from now? I know that's like a crazy question because who knows what will happen tomorrow, but. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I feel um, I want to do with YML, and it is a, a, a long work, a uh, long time work in progress is, have you heard the term PayPal mafia? No. Okay, so PayPal Mafia was uh, the early team members at PayPal, you know, in 1999, 98, they were probably not very famous. They all worked together and they built this great company called PayPal. And now the year is 2021. And I'm just going to tell you the names and you'll probably recognize all of them. The people who are part of this mafia were Elon Musk. Um, Peter Thiel, who was, you know, the first biggest investor in, in Facebook. Um, Reid Hoffman, the founder CEO of LinkedIn. Jeremy Stoppelman, the founder CEO of um, Yelp. And, and there are a bunch of others, right? Now, you, you don't see the mafia at that moment in time. You see the mafia looking backwards. And that is one of the big vision I have is, how can I create that YML mafia, you know, where maybe I can't see them in 2021, but maybe in 2030, 
I'll be able to tell that whether some of these people are, you know, are people who have changed the industry, changed the world, whether they are with YML or not. And that is definitely one of the things I'm trying to achieve with YML. Mm, YML Mafia. All right. I'll be looking out for it. That's right. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much, Ashish. This was a really interesting conversation and um, we're so happy to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's all the time we have this week. Thanks for tuning in to Campaign Chemistry and we'll see you next time. Thank you.